Coming to you direct from Bris Vegas, Australia, we are four music fans who have agreed to disagree on just about everything in popular music. I'm Lord Ben, Lord of the Lords, your humble host, and a real-life meatloaf fan. I'm joined by my three bats out of hell, Lord Brett, your own Kenny G, and your long-haired lover from Coochie Mudlow, Lord Al the Enigma, he loves the obscure but won't deny the heavy metal youth in his closet, and Lord Kev, still keeping up that fake Irish accent, if only to deride anything that ever sold more than five copies. And welcome back to the Lords of Loud for our third season. Woo-hoo! Oh, Happy New Year. Oh, big, big summer, boys. Big, Thought teams uh, a charm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank God last year's over. Let's hope this year's a little a little better. But uh, So last year was a, was a difficult second album. This is now our... <laughs> was it, but This has to be our masterpiece. Album. First, first year we brought yeah. the internet. Second year we brought the world. Yes, yes. Sorry. Yep, and oh, we're we're sorry, changing well. the format up once again. Hey, um, yes, as we like to do until we you know, keep changing until you get it right. Right? Is that how it goes? Yeah, sure. Never, <laughs> never stop changing. Let's roll. Let's roll. Yes. So we're going to be trying a different format. We're going to be having our main segment, uh, and then we're going to be spinning the musical wheel of fortune. Oh, um, the what? And seeing what segment, random segment, might come up the. Could involve a bit like the summer series. Could involve a single lord, or it could be multiple lords. Who knows? Probably not um, all four lords. Yeah. Probably not point. all four. Otherwise, it's just the regular show. <laughs> we just do it now. So yeah, that should be interesting, and that's just from the the massive feedback that we've had uh, over the couple of summer huge. series that we've done. Oh, you know? That's right. Stop People it. Just want more <laughs> summer series. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah. as many from my wife. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> Is that more summer More season? vacations as uh, Lord L, that's what you, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there was some real positive feedback around Kev's, Lord Kev's contribution. Oh, yeah. Massive. Well, again, massive. Some of the best feedback year, we've yeah. ever had, really. Well, I didn't have any negative feedback. That's yeah. right. That's no right. negative feedback. That's no right. thumbs down at all no, on no, the socials. No, no. For, Keep it up, Kev. That's what they say. <laughs> do it again. Very oh. good. All right. Well, on tonight's show, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, the best drum tracks. So if you've heard our – we've done best riffs and we've done best bass lines in the past, and now we're tackling the drum tracks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before all that, we've got to do Album of the Week. And I believe, Kev, you've got an Album of the Week this week. Yeah, totally do. And, um, you know, this one uh, was a bit inspired by um, an idea we had on the podcast last year to suggest something, you know, for another lord. We said, oh – why don't you um why don't you ever listen to this? Um I think you'll really like it. And um, we thought we'd we'd do a bit of that. But this one I was listening to it and I couldn't get away from the fact that I'd love to hear what all the other lords thought about David Bowie's Black Star. Some of you may heard it, some of you may not. Some of his best work. And yeah, I mean it's um it's a pretty out there album. Mm. Um and I didn't expect to like it. I didn't expect to get almost addicted to it. You know, I've got this nickname for songs that I love and they're like, um, you know, song crushes. This whole album became a bit of a crush. I just listened to it round and round and round. And, um, you know, it's a few years down the track, don't get me wrong. Mm. I uh, bought it for my mate's um, 40th, in fact, but never listened to it. And, um, you know, I'd heard a few things when they released videos. And it's it's a real it's a real confrontational and um, challenging piece of music. Um, it's a bit like you know, would anyone have expected David Bowie to get to this point musically? Um, he just takes this leap right at the end, um, so to speak. Uh, you know the, the 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 tagline, of course, is something happened the day he died. Um, 
Oh, the shrouded and mystery element, the mystery of whether he deliberately intended this thing to be released yes, um, just yeah. after he died or yeah. whether that was just an accident. Absolutely. I don't know. And but I think it's a that's that's really what sucks you into it i think yeah and it's just a it's one of those times when you get to choose your ending yeah um you know very few artists get that you know accidental suicides or overdoses etc this is one where he could plan his outro you know which is which makes it Mm. so much more compelling the album and 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 you know, creepy, frankly, and you know, it's like disturbing in some way, like extra disturbing in some ways because we've talked. But what a Bowie thing to do, right? To mm. to yeah to turn uh, his death into an art piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To to yeah. paint to paint your last picture. Yep. You know, and and of you dying. Yeah, of you dying, and and then and then leave it there and say, okay, and now I'm dying, and now I'm gone. Mm. Yeah, release <laughs> this one. I'm it's, done. It's, you know, it's 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 the perfect operates that you know. It's so mm. operatic. It's Brilliant. lovely. Yeah, no, really mm. good album. Mm-hmm. We, we get away from the critics, definitely. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Doesn't even but, hang around. But for the all feedback. that all that said, we've talked this talked this through many times about artists that stick around after the you know after the mm. time you know and there's you know tribute albums and there's compilations and there's mm. like a a Christmas album or you know things like that. Um, and somehow this was still relevant. Somehow this was still you know a challenge after you know to be fair some dodgy albums in later years, mm. but. Um, you know, this one he 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 started to source jazz and started to source you know what that that fusion of sort of trip hop Radiohead style and jazz as well as mm. um, you know operatic kind of anthemic mm. stuff. Mm. Yeah, if it was um, jazz and yeah. opera at the end, the end really wasn't far, wasn't? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's jazz touches. It's far from a jazz album, but mm. um, yeah, it's got that. It's got the element to it, which isn't something he dabbled in, you know, to any great degree, and right until, as I say, the end. Yeah. And um, that's album of the week, just purely because I happened to finally get hold of it and give it a good old listen. And thanks to Sandgate Library, shout out, <laughs> um, major sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be foolish of me to suggest I'll be burning that later on for sure, because <laughs> um, um, I don't have a CD player, but. Um, yeah, that's what it was, and that's Very what good. it is. All right, let's listen to a little bit of the title track, Black Star, from David Bowie's Black Star album. Good choice, yeah, Kev. Lovely. Really good album. Well done, so, Kev. Want to go classic to start off the year, you yeah. know. Um, and as I say, did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Even from that snippet, you're just going like, "What's he doing with his voice mm. there?" And, mm. But there is a range throughout the albums, a range of different singing styles and um, and musical styles. To be fair, um, does he use yeah. other sound effects from Star Wars in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does actually have R two D two himself coming. Some Ewoks and, uh, in there at some point. <laughs> And in between each track, there's just this faint kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure what it is, but just it's an underlying effect. My long. Brilliant. All right, I'm so do yourself a favour. Get down to Sandgate Library and <laughs> yes. once Kev returns that copy, uh, rent out. If Kev returns that copy. If, yeah. <laughs> if Kev oh, returns it, yeah. uh, borrow Black Star by David Bowie. Great, great choice to start the year off. 
All right, so let's kick into best drum tracks. Who's got one they really want to, they're just bursting to get out there? Yeah, I'll jump straight in. Straight mm. in. This one's right in the pocket. Uh, 1943. <laughs> Benny Goodman. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, Gene Krupa. Oh, man, you the good point. Um, but this is Mitch Mitchell. This is Jimi Hendrix. This is Fire. Uh, I think you've got to be a pretty uh, a decent drummer to, to be in a three-piece with... Jimi Hendrix, you can't hide. Uh, and and on this particular track, I just think he uh, he adds to the song rather than just keeping the beat. Do you want right. to give us a hit? So he's uh, he's got a jazz background, so he's mm. all that lovely little fill work he does. It's really quite and and it's not uh, bombastic. Mm-hmm. It's it just seems to be in the right spot. I just yeah. think he's a he's an awesome drummer. It's, it's interesting because I was about to say pick up that jazz element and because it is very much. It's the same with Cream. Um, you know, you got Ginger Baker mm. again, uh, jazz jazz drummer, and those trios do work like jazz trios mm. like in that each member you know potentially is is riffing off and, and playing mm. something that brings something to the song as opposed to just sitting there and holding a beat down and, and yeah you know they each member when you only have three i guess it has to has to sort of bring something to it and it's just interesting those two bands in particular yeah yeah um, there's a funny counterpoint to yeah. say that you know another famous jazz drummer would be charlie watts out of the stones mm. and what he did was all his jazz drumming in his own band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then sat behind the stones for 25 years <laughs> just playing straight fours and, you know. <laughs> and making, sorry, more, Charlie, but, and uh, making more money than everyone. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just to, yeah. I mean, there's like 16 musicians in front of him, so probably good reason for it. Mm. All right, Kev, you got one you want to show us? Yeah, and let's go with... Um, let's go with um, someone else out of a three-piece. Um, Stuart Copeland. Um from the polis and uh, i've picked roxanne um for a couple of reasons i'll let you know in a minute but um yeah maybe have a listen see what he does <laughs> So again, a lot like what um, Brett was saying just now, but a drummer in the three-piece, um, he had his own style. It's um, famously documented this sort of Afro sort of syncopated style. It's always on the offbeat. Um, but the, the interesting thing about what um, Copeland does was he actually put this band together. It's not so well known as that he went out and sourced the other two. Oh, okay. um, and you can hear it on some of those tracks like Walking on the Moon. I picked this one really because it was the first song where... 
um, I was playing in a in a band myself and um, I was replaced if you like uh, as a drummer by someone who could do um, could mm. do you know this kind of stuff <laughs> um, and just to watch what that meant in terms of the ability to just flip it all around there's the yeah. bass coming in there instead of um, instead of the snare there's the, 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 the crashes happening just when you want to hear a crash but mm. not when you usually do and it just changes the dynamic of all of these pop songs mm. it's just the ab ability to um, I don't know just um, just be the focal point of this well, still just being a drummer, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The other two are phenomenal, mus phenomenal musicians, but there's just something about the tracks that, um, you know, those those play singles, particularly in the early years where you're just hearing a drum track that's being allowed to do its job. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. more than that or anything like that. I mean, it was only when um, they brought out um, Every Breath You Take, which was well into their career where he played his first 4-4, and it was almost... It's so strange when you listen to like a whole bunch of police songs, they just hear them suddenly just go, all right, the police can sound like that as well. Um, but yeah, absolutely loved his sound and never really never really understood it. You know, it was just something to enjoy um, as part of this you know, tight three-piece. So yeah, that was um, that was my first sort of but he does, he does, drummer. He does, like, just in that track there, all that work he's doing on the hi-hat, mm. you know? He's doing amazing stuff on there. Everything else is just straightforward. But he's on that little hi hat doing little, little riffs yeah. on that. It's like holy shit! Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, and, and again, uh, uh, it works quite well because the, the track is sparse with with you know the guitar and the mm. and the bass, so it just fits in quite nicely. Mm -hmm. It's lovely. Yeah, really good one. All right, I'll jump in here, and um, the first one I've chosen is, I guess I've, I've the two choices I've made tonight. One is is that sort of um, virtuoso sort of style, and the other one is where just yeah, the drum really leads that track as opposed to just being a, a background instrument. So the first one I'll play is um, our old mate Ringo. Yes. Um, and this is Tomorrow Never Knows. And, and and this is one of those ones, you know, I think Ringo gets a bad rap as being the, the sort of the dumb one, the, you know, the, the goofy one of the Beatles. Um, but when you really listen to what he was doing on the drums and how he was sort of adding to the songs and, and servicing the songs, you know, it, it really it really does make a big difference. So uh, this is a, a great example of that. It's Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles. So the classic thing there is that that is a single chord song um, and yet despite that there's so much going on like musically around mm. it mm. that's confusing and, and sort of off-putting and disorienting um, but the one constant through it like a heartbeat is just that, yeah. that constant drum beat of, that Ringo sort of laying down that, that yeah. sort of pulls you through the song and drives you drives through the song. Through it. Yeah, it's so unusual. And, um, like when you look at everything yeah, else ah, that he had done, it was just... Yeah, and, and he could have just played a, yeah, like a 4-4 or something, just a basic beat at the background there, but and, and if you listen, it's what drives that song. If you listen to the demo track, 
that I think Lennon brought along. Mm. It's just this dirge mm. that's you know, na, 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 and you just sort of like, and you sort of like, mm. well, kill yourself. Yeah, and then you think. Well, that's just got energy straight out of it. Yeah, that's right. And it is such a bizarre little beat he's hitting there mm. as well. Mm. So, well, the first, so neat, folks. Well, the hey. first, first version I heard was uh, Phil Collins. Oh, yeah, yep. Um, yep. Doing it, uh, which is a bit slower. Mm. And uh, I thought that was great. And I was like, oh, this is a bit of a strange track. Yeah. And then eventually, <laughs> yeah, ended up hearing the Beatles. And I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. So yeah. That's yeah. really strange for, uh, for the time. The other yeah. thing I really like about that song is it inspired a couple of tracks that. I grew up with in the 90s, you know, the mm. Chemical Brothers and, yeah. and a few other people like that were just obsessed, I think, <laughs> with that track. You can hear it in Star Guitar yeah. and um, um, various other, um, you know, songs around the time and then uh, Fight Boy Slim would used to like it. And I think it, you know, really stood behind the big beats of movement, mm. you know, and, um, and and it's not hard to see why and, yeah, and just a few bars. Yeah, yeah, really cool. And you can't deny you can't deny someone playing on a song that that was right at that point when when that high psychedelia just sort of really came slamming. Yeah, through. It was like wow. Yeah, so that it's off the Revolver album, and um, you know the rest of the tracks on that are uh, well, they're, they're certainly a move up from what mm. they'd been mm. doing, but nothing like that. Yeah. No, like at the t- to hear that in 1966, I mean, it would be on a commercial on a you know, yeah. very, mm. highly commercial record <laughs> from the biggest <laughs> band in the world at the time. To, for them just to lay out something like that, the yeah. people have just been going, "What yeah. the hell is that?" <laughs> that's right. <laughs> what is going Everyone's on? Heads exploding. <laughs> yeah, walking that's down right. The street. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Al, what do you got? Is there another Beatles one on there? Uh, let's have a look. Yes, there is. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be Strawberry Fields Forever? It is. Excellent. Al. Well, let's have a listen to that one. Oh right, if I have to. <laughs> But the interesting bit is if you go back up again, you hear the transition to the next. It doesn't matter much to me. Let me take you down because I'm going to destroy everything. Yeah. So so with that one, it's more... uh, it is one of those headphone tracks where you pick up so much more about what's mm. happening musically and especially the stereo split yeah. um, that is hammered to death on that song. But, I mean, they, they went through so many different versions and mm, it's, you know, mm, mm. that mix of the drums with that mix yeah, of the yeah, guitar yeah. and whatever. And Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, for me, it's just a very interesting track. Um, and the drums is just one of the elements. It's really interesting mm. how it goes from a fairly straightforward to this thunderous you know role yeah. in the background and so. and handled any handled differently by another drummer that could come across as just being it'd be like over like why are you like you're just mm. trying to get attention like why are you coming yeah, in with that yeah. like do 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 like just to go into that next mm. you know section like what 
um, but just handles it beautifully. And again, it's just servicing the song. Yeah. Oh, and, and I mean, and that's it, right? You know, when you talk about virtuosos, you know, it's one of those things where you say he just played with feel, right? Mm. And oh, so, absolutely. so yeah. he interprets the song appropriately rather than what what can I jam into here? <laughs> yeah. Mm. And there's again, a, again, he had that ability to be sparse. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Uh, there's a the, great. Uh, sorry, Kev, keep going. No, you. you no, I was just saying. There's a great YouTube clip, and maybe we can link it on our social something where. I can't even remember the drummer. It's a famous drummer doing a, a drum masterclass, basically, and he and he plays a couple of the Ringo songs as a. He said, "This is how a good. This is how a you know, in quotes, good drummer would play it." And he's and he's like coming in and he's doing all like he's, it's all busy and he's putting in all these fills and it's you know it's this mm -hmm. whatever and he's going. This is what this is a, you know a virtuoso type drummer would play it, and then he and then it and then as a contrast he goes and this is what Ringo did you know and it's. And it's just this such a sparse, mm, mm. just the odd thing, and, and the yeah, the contrast is is incredible. Which, when you think about how they started, you know, and there's a great there's a great movie of them playing here in Australia, um, and it's a great insight into them playing live, even though it's screaming and screaming. Mm. And you watch Ringo just driving it, you know, mm. like being a rock and roll drummer and yeah. alive, you know, getting over the volume mm, of this mm. crowd, and to go from that into the studio as they did, and mm. then to just have the luxury mm. to to think, oh, you know, what are the sonics here? How how yeah. does this yeah, song, exactly. you know, yeah. want to be brought brought forward? And then it's, it's a nice transition that he's been able to do. Yeah, because you know, for like you a know. few years of battering out, yeah, I, yeah. I, I want to hold your hand yeah. until his fingers <laughs> bled, you know. Or he had blisters or whatever happened to the poor guy, you know. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, very cool. All right, Brett, have you got another? One so, for us? so in opposition to Ringo, uh, let's let's uh, listen to Keith Moon playing Happy Jack. Oh, I think that'd who? be opposition, mate. To be honest. Happy Jack wasn't old, but he was a man. In the sand at the island The kids would all sing He would take a monkey So they rode on his head In the So the, the controversial thing I'm going to say is that uh, personally, for me, Keith Moon works on some tracks that he played on, but not on all tracks. I think, mm. I think on some some tracks he's just overplaying it. And if you ever watch them live, mm. holy hell, he's yeah. just. He just he just walks over everybody. Sure. We didn't know where he was most times. <laughs> Sometimes it, it, it appeared as if he's had a few drinks, yeah. <laughs> just a couple, That's right. a few sherbets. Yeah. So so like on this song, you go okay that you know there's a place for that, and and other songs, you know, uh, uh, who are you, uh, Barbara O'Reilly? I mean, those songs, you go yeah, that's um, that's where that where he's driving it and he's pushing it and. Uh, and and his bombastic nature suits those songs, right? But but sometimes I just feel okay, you know. Mm. Uh, but he's yeah, he's yeah, they, they, he's not as he's not as flexible 
yeah. Poten- potentially is someone like Ringo. He, do, he doesn't have mm. the light. He doesn't have the shades in between. No, you know, no. it's, it's it's all it's, it's one or the one other. Volume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one volume. But he's he is your classic feel drummer. Like he's not a he's not there sitting holding a, a, one particular no. beat together. Like that is he's all he's just whatever's the you know the moment and the and the feel mm. and as the music mm. as things soar he's like in there yeah. filling in the gap. You know, he's uh, like he's just feeling what's going on in the in the rest yeah. of the song mm. and that sort of thing. Well, that's right. And and, and uh, he's um, he's the uh, the original animal from the Muppets, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what, right. Exactly. It's based on him. So yeah, so well done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of. Of two minds as Keith Munn's a drummer as well. I mean, I think I love the fact that you know, as a guy who attempts to play along with every single note, New Orleans and singing <laughs> singers, you know, I think at one point he was trying to keep up with Daltrey's microphone when he was playing, which you know, isn't isn't really what people are going to listen to. I don't imagine, mm. but um, no, yeah, right. I think you've done an owl though, haven't you? I mean, I've not exactly missed the brief, but you've you've veered slightly off the edge to it. It's oh. just an interesting drummer, you know. He's an interesting drummer, and again, on some tracks, he's brilliant, um, you know. And so that's why we didn't play some of the tracks where it was like, yeah, okay. But yeah, I, I, he. And again, I uh, in the in the in his pocket in those moments, like wow, of course you would want him there, right there, just mm. smashing away and driving the rest of the band forward. I think um, that's where they were at their best, wasn't it? Those live mm, shows, yeah. you know, where <laughs> he yeah. was a showman. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, if you need to bring the energy, you have Moon on drums. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the. Yeah. Oh, you've got to have Moon. <laughs> you know. Get the Moon out. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to go for a couple tonight, and I found it really uh, hard to um, to whittle down, as we always do. So I'll try and not blab on with a few near misses and just, just say that um, I'm going to go with. Um, a drummer whose name I don't know. Um, <laughs> he, he plays with the National and he's very well known as being um, um, a driving force in a large band. So again, just to kind of, again, take a bit of a, an opposite stance, um, uh, the, the songs we're going to play will give you an idea of how his ability to find a beat, um, a bit like um, what you were saying about Ringo and um, Tomorrow Never Knows, uh, how that ability, you know, um, is really something central to a fantastic band of fantastic musicians. You know, heaps of them doing wonderful things. Um, I guess if we hear a bit of this, you'll get an idea of what we can do. Stand up straight Ohio by the National, and um, as I say, I should have at least done the done the guy the service of finding out what he's called. <laughs> um, uh, th- the start of that track just introduces a very offbeat, strange thing. That the rest of the song just coalesces around, and um, that's true for a lot of the songs that they do. And um, yeah, I- I- out of all of the other ones that I had picked, that one really mm. um, took me back to Stuart Copeland and how. There was something really interesting about just what the drummer was doing, despite all of the other um, great stuff going on. So well, that's, that's right because um, I think you could, you could you could play that song with a straight beat, and and the song would be the lesser for it. 
you know, that mm-hmm. that that, that mm. driving, you know, uh, offbeat or whatever mm. you want to call it, yeah. really sort of keeps it keeps the tension there or something. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the tension, it's the urgency. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not easy to do. Um, you know, to have, to have the skill to um, keep the, the the momentum going when you're playing some crazy time signature, and then to do fills in there, that, yeah. you know, you know, and, and still uh, keep keep the keep the the beat going. Uh, no pun intended. And uh, yeah, I've always in, I always enjoyed li- listening to that band. And you know, sometimes you can just go track over to track and listen to the drums, yeah. you mm. know. Uh, so there we go. Very good. All right, I'll play a little bit of my next one, and this is um, certainly a virtuoso on the drums. And this is Bill Bruford from Yes, and they were probably the first prog rock band to really take that. Um, some of the earlier prog rock bands were were certainly into the storytelling and the longer tracks and that sort of thing, but these are the guys who really put together a collection of of artists who <laughs> were all just you know magicians at their mm. respective instruments um and bill was uh, certainly no exception so this is heart of the sunrise from the fragile album uh, by yes Awesome. So it's just that machine oh, gun awesome. approach of just how the hell do you play that without a chart in front of you yeah. going? This is what's happening next, ready? We go, so, oh. yeah, and right. the time thing changes every bar. Yeah. So I think that oh, speaks for itself. Wow. I don't to, you know, it's just some really uh, just on that song. I mean, <laughs> the whole career with Yes, but then that album in particular, Fragile, great album. But that track just shows the it sort of sums up the the creativity, the the virtuosity, the you know. Mm. <laughs> Everything Ooh. so wow, very nice. Is yeah. there you know is there a topic coming our way? And I think there is called is too much virtuosity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're gonna. I we love are it. Gonna it's talk great. It. It's incredible. People can play four thousand notes a minute. Yep, and they can do it all together. That's right. Yeah, is it listenable? Yeah. Well, it's it really is its own. It's its own genre almost. You mm, know, like yeah, you said, yeah, you know, that's. Yeah. And I think, you know, due to due to overwhelming popular demand, I'm going to be doing a few <laughs> bit more prog sort of oh, stuff yes. this this season. So Phew. we'll certainly cover some and of just those a, just a huge shout out to all of the um, all of the fans out there that have um, the requested that <laughs> screaming screaming for some more thank prog. You, yeah. Thank you. Thank please, you. Please stop seeing the letters. Yeah. I, I'm part, I got letters piled up. <laughs> it's yes, embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yes. Uh, thank you both. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Al, bring us home. What do you bring got? us home. What do you got? Come All on. Right. Well, this uh, is this, do you remember which it is this time? Yeah, true, true to form. Uh, I've had to go for some metal. Um, <laughs> so this is uh, this is Metallica with uh, a song called "The Shortest Straw," and it's off the Injustice for All album, which is kind of renowned uh, for uh, being extremely drum heavy and no uh, bass. in the mix. <laughs> Yes, and no bass, um, unfortunately. However, Lars is such a good drummer on this album. He's really playing it like, um, like it's an instrument you want to listen to. Mm. Like it's that high in the mix, but it's not. You know, overall, when you look at a song, you're not thinking, "Oh, this is just the same thing over and over again." Mm. He's got all these fills happening, and 
Yeah, yeah, just really. And off the off the hit off this album, one, um, he does that. You know, some fantastic again, machine gun, mm. literally machine gun drumming in the the center of that song. And, mm. yeah, all right, so let's hear the shortest straw. Literally, <laughs> close to literally. Cool. And was that track written about Lars? <laughs> <laughs> the shortest member of the group? No. <laughs> Why? Yeah, well then, or you mean the shortest temper? <laughs> so right. But but again, how you know coming from yes to that, you you see the connection. Mm. You see this, you know, oh, yeah, the, 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 the the tight as a fish's ass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sporadic. Yeah, yeah. And with that one as well, it's probably a little unusual in that. Um, like the snare is just the constant k -k -k -k. but the kick drum is like I'll do a little bit here, I'll do a little bit there it's not, you know, just the alternating yeah. kick, snare, yeah. kick, snare, kick, snare it's just, yeah, all over the shop Wow, very mm. good Alright, well some excellent choices there we'll wrap up that little segment but uh, We'll have to unwrap it again uh, Yeah, I think we have to yeah, do a repeat yeah, yeah, of that there's so many more to get through So, yeah. Alright, but Something very, very exciting now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm excited. And, uh, we've just had our roadies wheel in the magical wheel of musical magic. What's for, fortune? <laughs> fortune. Yeah. Musical fortune. The name of that. Musical wheel of fortune. Musical fortune. The wheel of musical fortune. The magical round wheel. <laughs> Musically thing. magic. That's magically right. musical. It's brilliant. Um, so this is this is where we're going to uh, we're going to spin the wheel and just to give. You know, the, the, I know you can't see the wheel here. Maybe we may be able to get a picture up of the sure, uh, on social. It's impressive, that's for sure. It's so. a massive wheel. It's oh, huge. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> probably <laughs> just the second, give, second biggest I've ever seen. Oh, that's right. Thing, so. Yeah, close. If not, it's in the final. But um, so just to give you an idea, those at home um, of some of the topics that may be selected in this case, um, we've got things like. Uh, so basically what these are, these are topics that uh, one of the lords or a couple of the lords in, in sort of summer series style will be covering in a, in a sort of a, a short segment hmm. which will, uh, you know, straight after the wheel is, is spun, so to speak. This is impromptu. Like Russian, they got Russian no, oh, Totally, it's totally it's off the cuff. Yeah. Off the cuff. They're not yeah, prepared yeah, yeah, at all. Bring, right. Speak for 10 minutes on this. That's right. Yeah. So here we are. This is just, just to give you a bit of an idea. We've got things like uh, grease monkey music, musical head jobs, Tragic Tales of Life, Organ Magic, Soap Boxing, Prog and a Log. <laughs> excited about that Oh, that's one. my... Oh, oh wow. man. Uh, things like Squeeze Box, Turn the Screw, <laughs> and More Metal Than Man. Yes. Uh, but there's, there's plenty of other things on there as which well. One of those, but, uh, which one of those is yours, Kev? There's a lot of double entendre going on in that there. Is just, like, that's just to give you I'll a little taste. That. Just yes. a taste. Okay. So right. we don't know what they are, but... 
No, no, it's no. Well, you're happen, gonna find. No. You're about to yeah, find okay. out because, well, on one of them in particular. Alrighty. So, yep, without further ado, uh, Lord Brett, if you could be so kind as to reach back there and, and spin. Here I go. Grab a hold of that this, wheel and give it a vinyl, really good yank. Is that? Um, it must be. Yes. Yeah, right, um, okay. Lucky I'm wearing sequin top. Here we go and yep. and pull that wheel. Oh, there we go. And oh it's probably oh, gold. Right. Wow, that's gold. That is gold. Excellent. All right. Well, no, that'll, that'll be, that'll be, be me, one, I guess. Right? So, yeah, that'll be Lord Ben. No, join Who Lord Ben else? right oh. now for Prog and a Log. Yes, and welcome to the first segment of Prog on a Log, where uh, I'll be breaking down or introducing you to maybe some of the lesser known uh, prog artists of the classic era. Uh, that is, you know, from the late 60s through uh, the end of the 70s. And tonight we're talking about the band Vandegraaff Generator. Now, these guys are an English prog rock band formed in Manchester, actually formed out of Manchester University in 1967. Uh, and that's a, that's a sort of common story with a lot of prog bands. Uh, they often formed as, you know, from universities or art schools uh, where where they, uh, you know, where they found members, uh, people who maybe liked some of the more alternative uh, jazz records and other maybe world music or, uh, you know, blues and things, that uh, music that was sort of alternative to what was on the sort of the normal radio at the time. And prog, I guess, the common theme there is that often a lot of those styles, classical, you know, jazz styles and things were, were fused into what was happening in the rock world and and uh, sort of became what prog was all about so these guys uh as i said formed in manchester uh the key personnel at the time were peter hamill and chris smith they were the singer songwriters but uh as with a lot of prog rock bands they underwent a lot of personnel changes over the years and the classic lineup i suppose is is regarded as peter hamill um uh, david jackson hugh banton and guy evans so those guys, um, you know, as as much as they had other members, they're the they're the ones considered sort of the classic lineup. And so they formed in '67. You know, played you know some gigs, released a few bits and pieces. But it wasn't until uh, their manager um, Tony Stratton Smith set up uh, Charisma Records, which uh, you'd know as the label that went on to have Genesis and Hawkwind, uh, even Julian Lennon in the '80s. And uh, yeah, range did a lot of the Genesis solo albums as well. So really became known as a bit of a, a bit of a, a home a home for prog music. And uh, so he set that up. And actually, Van de Graaff Generators album was the first album that uh, Charisma released. And that was uh, well, this it wasn't their first album. That was the first album released on Charisma. And that album was the least we can do is wave to each other. And we might just hear the opening track off that now, and that's The Darkness. Thank you. 
So there we go, that one off. The least we can do is wave to each other, the 1970 release. Uh, that's The Darkness. Um, so speaking of darkness, I think probably one thing that if you're looking for things that separate these guys from some of your other uh, prog rock bands, it would be that they tended to have a you know potentially a darker slant to their music. Um, I know Peter Hamill was heavily influenced by writers like Philip K. Dick, and so he had a lot of themes of sort of mortality and 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 that running through the music. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's if you had to find something celebrate, I think they generally had a darker tone and a dar- darker themes towards their their stuff. So some other notable albums uh, included the 1971 album Porn Hearts. And let's hear, uh, off that album, let's hear A Plague of Lighthouse Keepers. Now this thing's 23 minutes long, as you'd expect from a good prog song. Um, we'll only listen to the first, like, 19 minutes or so. Waiting for my saviour, storms tear me limb from limb. My fingers feel like seaweed, I'm so far out, I'm too far. go that was a plague of lighthouse keepers um and yeah do yourself a favor and, and get onto the porn hearts album on spotify and, and listen to the full 23 minutes of that it's a it's a pretty cracking me- uh, medley of, of music that one so other notable albums from 75 we had god bluff good album uh, 1976's world record pretty good album as well um but probably their best album or in my opinion uh, certainly one of their best was um the quiet zone uh, the pleasure dome And from that album, let's hear The Sphinx in the Face. Limousine and her spouse 
Yeah, so there we go. That's uh, three tracks there that give you a bit of a taste of the of the range of styles um, from Vandegraaff Generator. So they end up splitting in 1978. Uh, they did reform in the mid 2000s, 2005. Um, but uh, yeah, so in the end, they didn't really have much commercial success. They were, funnily enough, uh, fairly successful in Italy, um, but didn't really didn't really have much success uh, in their home country, uh, in England. So, but um, at the end of the day, they leave behind that sort of dark, intriguing um, music for us to rediscover now. So I would say do yourself a favour, get out and uh, check out some of the Van de Graaff Generator albums. And thanks for joining me on the, the first episode of uh, Prog on a Log, and we'll do it all again soon. Okay. Oh, well, that was very good. Excellent. All right. Well, oh, you're only saying that because you did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Brilliant. Okay. So let's end the episode there. And uh, we remind everybody to please go on our social media. It's uh, at Lords of Loud, both on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram. You want to go to lordsofloud.com and get yourself some of the special merch we have there, some amazing T-shirts. Awesome. Absolutely incredible. Mm. Some and of singlets. The, and some singlets. of the best T-shirts you'll ever see. And, you know, if you've got a, a mother coming up with a birthday or a, a father who's, uh, you know, what? <laughs> Getting <laughs> Don't, the give me something. Going to jail. Give me something. <laughs> Just got out of jail. <laughs> These things would make a great gift. If so. you've got a mother coming up. <laughs> That's right. Coming up. Well, Lord Al's looking for a new singlet, so... Yeah, yep. That'd be brilliant. So, yes, please buy me one. Yeah, yeah. and get them some arms. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, buy the merch, go on to social, um, and check out Spotify for the playlist from tonight's episode as well. Yep. Most importantly, Lord Al's been working very, very hard on that. and uh, Feverishly. It's the only thing well, we pay him for, so... That's right. We need to make it justifiable. I think he's been beavering away, actually. Yep. Mm. Very good. All right, but most importantly, join us next time on the Lords of Loud. Lords of Loud is recorded at Zip Studios and proudly distributed as part of the Zenith Command Network.